0: Soapbox on The Hard Shoulder. Yes, it is The Soapbox at six here on The Hard Shoulder, wherein we invite the great and good of Irish society into studio to speak about a matter close to their heart. With me today, Conor and columnist with The Sunday Independent. Connor, thanks a million for coming in to us.
1: Lovely
0: to be here, thanks. Um, so we're talking about um, cost-benefit analysis. But hmm. this is really important because what we're ultimately talking about is how the government is spending our money taxpayers' money Um, so
1: the issue you have is what? The issue I have is that we have very good systems in place really good systems for looking at the cost of a big project like the Metro hearing that's going on at the moment and they do this analysis say, if we spend all that public money we will get the following benefits in return so a Metro says if 100,000 people a day get to work 20 minutes earlier they will earn that much more for the economy and that will pay itself back in 10 years time fantastic um, there's a there's a whole layer above the projects which we don't cost. So we do cost all of these things at project level. But when the projects are being assessed, they're assessed against whether they achieve the objectives of the government. And the whole raft of those at a high level, and they cover a lot of environmental issues. They cover climate stuff. They cover cover energy. And the problem with those things is that we are become committed to them without anybody asking how much will this cost.
0: So we, we do the cost-benefit analysis for the project, but we never do a cost-benefit analysis for the objective of the government. Exactly.
1: So you, ve- like you, you look far and wide to see where these have been assessed. So I just had a look at a few of them. So when I looked at, for instance, when we introduced the Climate Act, the Department of Public Enterprise and, Re- and Reform had a look at it and they reckoned it was going to cost 200, 250 billion euros over the next 10 years. And they concluded the following. It should be noted that reliance solely on the exchequer expenditure schemes is neither affordable nor adequate uh, to, uh, for this scale of a challenge. So th- somebody in the department managed to sneak that in to say, we told you so. There is no problem, Kieran, with doing these things. They're all good things. We want to be good people. Yeah. But there are many good things we do. So providing a birthing centre out in Galway which is incredibly important. Yeah. How is that going to be compared to providing a, a, a cycle lane outside Kilkenny? To follow? Uh,
0: and yeah, and and the the issue is that um, a cost-benefit analysis is done on that cycle lane outside Kilkenny or any number of cycle lanes around the country. And uh, and it has found that, you know, it, it, it will increase the number of cycling, percentage of people cycling by X. And that complies with our policy objective. That's right. And that's Gothenland. the only And question. therefore the box has been ticked That's right. so this is effective. Instead you're saying what we actually need to do a cost-benefit analysis on is that target to get 20% more people cycling and how much money should be spent on and, that and, and whether if- it's Better exactly. to put the money into that than the birthing suite in Galway. Precisely,
1: and and the the way we do cost benefit analysis now in Ireland is very sophisticated. So it's not just money. So we look at will it increase social inclusion? Will it help address poverty issues? Will it help address environmental issues? So the costs they're very sophisticated now, and they're all they're all factored in. But at the end of the day, the great thing about money is it's a very easy way of I don't know if you remember your maths in school the word of common denominator. Mm. So money is a good common denominator to allow you to mix all of these apples and oranges together, and that's what why I get so upset about that is we spend so much time beating up big infrastructure projects, whereas the real issue goes goes through scot-free and no one looks at that. And it's part of a problem of governance in Ireland. Governance Mm. is as dull as watching paint dry, but it's actually what makes the biggest difference to the biggest number of people all the time. And can you think of examples of projects
0: that you would be less enthusiastic about? compared to the Metro. I know you say, you you, you think the Metro is worth the money we Mm. spend on it. The children's hospital is worth the money uh, we will spend on it. Uh, Are there, kind of, just to make this kind of tangible for people, are Mm. there projects that you think that the spend is questionable? The the government might be able to say, oh no, look, we did a cost-benefit analysis, it complies, it it meets our policy targets, but you think if a cost-benefit analysis had been done on those policy targets... You might so, uh, like, question the value we, of it. We
1: spend uh, hundreds of millions, if not billions, on things like uh, supports, f- local enterprise uh, schemes. They're everywhere all over the country. Yeah, We spend billions on charities all over the country. Uh, the charity is a real sensitive spot. But if you, if you scratch the surface, uh, almost all those uh, charities, for instance, have huge duplication. I can't remember the last time I looked, but but what the figure is now, but the last time I looked, there were 15 suicide charities in Ireland. Every one of those has to have a company secretary and an accountant and a pension scheme and a CEO. Da, 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 mm. da. And so we need to be asking quite harsh questions. It's a very uncomfortable thing to talk about because you sound like you're criticising people who are doing good. I'm not. These are all good people but the problem is there's multiple good people all doing good things at the same time and we have to have a way of comparing the apples and oranges so that at the very least we have transparency and everybody can see look, we're getting into this it's going to cost a lot of money like the metro it's going to cost a fortune you know. but you know Mm -hmm. what it's for the good at the end of the day. And we don't live in in a world that's just based on metrics either Uh, financial metrics we need to see is this good for the community? Is it good for poor people? Is it good for people in Mayo or just in Dublin? So it's the ability to take out these things and compare them. And this this all goes back to that really boring question of governance. Do we get to actually govern things on the basis of data and evidence? Anecdote, uh, going back to 1994, right? The wonderful late John Bruton, uh, I ended up accidentally writing a programme for government for him, right? And
0: uh, I I, I talked earlier about how I accidentally dropped my phone in the toilet. I accidentally wrote a programme for government. Anyway, go on.
1: So so at the end of the process, uh, the Taoiseach said, look, you know, that's very helpful. You went to a lot of trouble for us. Um, Is there anything you'd like to see done? right Mm. Uh, so I had the answer off the top of my head I said yeah devolution governance I I want to do something to address governance in Ireland to make it better and in that particular case it's to transfer as much power back down to local levels as quickly as possible so he uh, very kindly allowed me to set up this thing called the devolution commission which examined all the functions of Mm. government to try and fix them so I'm saying that by way of illustrating why I think this is like I was once given that choice if you could do anything you want to change anything in Ireland what would you pick that's what I picked governance and governance lies at the heart of a huge amount of Ireland's problems invisibly. We're the most centralised system of governance in all of Europe. We're worse than all the former communist countries in Eastern Europe because we live in the middle of it. We're like people in a room who've had half the oxygen turned off. We don't realise that's what the problem is Mm. but the country is massively hamstrung by it and it's a terrible waste of the goodwill and the energy of those incredible community development organisations, the length and breadth of Ireland but they're forever fighting against invisible stuff of... Of somebody in the Department of Education who is busy counting pencils and saying, you know, you've overspent your budget for this year by putting that extension at the back of your school in the some part, remote part of Mayo.
0: But it, it, to, to kind of turn your own argument against you, yeah. I mean,
1: would devolution not end up with duplication? It does. So devolution is really difficult to do. Um, Mm. Places like Spain made huge progress with their autonomous regions and they flourished incredibly for a while. And as often happens with devolution, they then crumble into localism, parochialism and even corruption. So it's a very difficult thing to put in place no reason not to try and do something because it's difficult but it changes the quality of life for people when you go to France a local commune they control everything from the police and the electricity to the water to the schools and people can take responsibility and what happens in that situation is the good ones tear ahead and everybody can say oh that worked there and the bad ones they end up in a in a a trial for corruption 15 years later but at least people Mm. can see what made the difference it was that mayor and that commune made all that big difference for us and that's what I think we should do is we we need to trust ourselves We need to lean into that energy that runs the tidy towns and runs the local school and the GAA and stuff like that. It's there. And,
0: I mean, is there just a reluctance from those in power, in centralised government to to kind of release those reins?
1: Oh, yeah. We interviewed, the commission interviewed the secretary general, as they were called, and of every government department, every one of them, in person, mano a mano. Not one single person could identify one single function including dog licences that could be dealt, better dealt with at a local level. So obviously you know no turkeys and those who are not turkeys are incredibly bright people I know, going to vote for Christmas. They have
0: yeah. a vested interest in maintaining in maintaining. And it's one of those few things
1: that government can use force majeure for saying this is the way we're going we're doing it differently from now on. And we've tried it we've tried it so just this year we're starting to see the directly elected mayor of, of Limerick that's yes. part of it. But these kind of changes are huge because to make devolution work you have to transfer fundraising powers. F- Fiscal powers, tax raising to a local level. You have to give people budgets. You'd be really brave. Phil Hogan said to me, he was watching, overseeing all this kind of stuff at the time. And Phil is a wise, if somewhat scary man. And uh, I was saying to him, feck it, nobody will let this stuff go ahead because they all think they're going to be corrupt. And he said, he said, you have to do the exact opposite, Connor. You have to assume people will be corrupt and put the systems in place to catch it as early as possible. And the phrase stuck with me forever. He said, don't try and make it perfect. He said, try and make it the least bad system. Mm, least don't let stuff. perfection be the enemy of it was it was such a wise thing yeah. to say because then you always assume like if when I used to be an engineer an architect you know you assume a building might try to fall down so an arch is a bunch of stones that are trying to fall down trying yes. to fail and they're falling in towards each other so you can use the natural tendency of people to be parochial and proud or greedy or even corrupt to drive the system ahead so um, y- your systems are that keystone holding it all up they are they are and I mean you see the competitiveness of Ireland when you watch things like the tidy towns yeah. how those. Those tiny villages perform out of their skins. They usually only do it because we used to give advice to local authorities about how to do guidelines for them. They only do it for a couple of years because there's a few key people in, in a particular village mm-hmm. and they make the committee and they make it work and then they get old or tired or die or whatever it is. They move on the place slumps again. Yeah. But there's this lovely bubbling going on in the country all the time. Well, it's funny. It's,
0: it's interesting that this isn't or hasn't been a bigger issue as you describe it because like Ireland would lend itself well you would imagine to a kind of a campaign for devolution because, you know, we are parochial and my country is Kiltartan's Cross yeah, and, yeah. and all of that.
1: Well, again, you know... I'm sorry Phil is listening for making him sound so cynical but uh, I he said to me he said look would look at what you're trying to do but it'll never catch on because the TDs he said will feel too threatened by it because okay. at the time I was saying we need to have this massive pro- programme to educate and upskill all of our councillors and he said how do you think every le- local TD will feel about that but if you think about the size of the army we have out there the army of Mordor mm. we've over 900 councillors all over Ireland 900 of them and they know every crook and cranny of every part of Ireland the good they could do with that local knowledge with that local yeah. energy that local drive of wanting to get re-elected so so it's all out there. And to bring us back to the beginning of what I was saying about the business, about the costs and benefits, yeah. what you do is you, ass- you examine those costs and benefits at a point as close as possible to their point of effect. Right? So you understand we are we have a trade-off to do here uh, in North Longford and we have to decide are we going to do a new walking trail around the village or are we going to put a, an extra little cabin at the side of the national school for a creche to try and build up numbers in the mm. primary school. Do you follow? And those people understand what really matters and they make the trade-off. And they may say something like, as simple as, do you know what, the trail is very important, but we're not going to do it this year. We'll do it next year. Or the trail is very important, but we're going to have to fund it from somewhere other than a government grant. We'll raise the money ourselves. We'll, we'll put a bullock up for, for auction or something like that. And mm. that's the way you do it. So it, it's a way of harnessing that stuff. But the big, business is give, the big issue is giving us the ability to, to explicitly see what the costs and the benefits are. Everybody knows what the benefits of fixing climate change are. Everybody knows what the benefits of looking after biodiversity are. But it's almost become taboo to talk about the fact, well, these things have costs as well, and uh, you're suddenly regarded as not being progressive if you raise the issue of the fact that these things have costs and consequences.
0: Conor Skean, columnist with the Sunday Independent. Conor, thanks a million uh, for joining us. I enjoyed that. The hard shoulder with Kieran Cuddy
1: with Nissan.
0: Weekdays from four on News Talk.